0: They say a picture is worth a thousand words, Well, a little twist on that proverb is that I would say Jesus can paint thousands of pictures with his words. Over 50 stories that Jesus tells, or what we maybe sometimes call parables. Parables are these, these awesome teaching techniques that Jesus had where he could just paint images in people's minds with his words. Over 50 of those stories are recorded for us in the Bible in the, in the li- about the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are kind of the biographies of Jesus. And, and over 50 stories are told there. And yet, there is probably the, it's arguable, but the most popular parable and the one that gets painted the most by artists is the one we're going to have the opportunity to look at today. You maybe know it as the parable of the prodigal son, uh, prodigal is a word that just means extravagant, no holds barred, I'm going to do whatever I want. It can be good and can be bad, uh, but in this case it was bad. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's maybe also maybe no, known as the parable of the lost son. Is, is maybe it's how it's also known, and, and maybe you know that story. But even if you know the story, I, I bet you you don't remember all the details Every time, uh, it's 22 verses, and so we maybe lose some of the details. And so we're going to read it again uh, today, just walk through that parable of the, of, the, uh, the, the, of the prodigal son. But as we do it, I'm going to ask you to just really let Jesus paint the picture on the canvas of your mind. Try to visualize everything of, of how he depicts Of this story because that's how he does it he he has a group of people in front of him and he is just telling a story with with just vivid word pictures so do yourself a favor and and think that this is actually jesus painting this this picture in your mind all right so we'll we'll read these words from luke chapter 15 uh once again today luke chapter 15 is sometimes called the lost chapter of the bible it has three stories in a row that are all about being lost. You have a lost sheep, you have a lost coin, and then you get to this story, which really talks about a lost son. And so reading from, from Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, uh, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. could you see those pictures in your mind? Could you, could you maybe even hear the stomach growling of that, that son as he ran away and he's just longing to eat the pods that are being fed to the pigs? Could you maybe see him coming to his senses like, oh, man, what am I doing? And then maybe could you hear him practicing that speech as he walked the whole way home? Okay, what am I going to say? All right, how about Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. Father, I have sinned against heaven. I mean, he must have practiced because he nailed it, right? It was the exact same words. Whatever he practiced, this is what I'm going to say? That's exactly what he said. Could you see? Could you see the father peering down the path and seeing his son on the horizon? Could you see that same elderly man get up and start running? You know, what a picture, right? And Sandals on his feet and... And interestingly enough, culturally at that time, it was undignified for a man to run in public. But he did it. Could you see his tears maybe meeting the corners of his smile as he got nearer and nearer and nearer to that son and confirmed, yep, that's him. And he's ready to throw his arms around his neck. Could you see the robe being brought out to him and put on him? Or the ring? Could you hear the band playing? Could you see the dancing? Could you see the, the other brother kind of pouting as he sat there on the driveway, not wanting to go in? Could you see the face of the father maybe from a different angle this time? As he's pleading with son number two, or older son, I'm going to call him son number two throughout the sermon, because he's the second one mentioned could you see the Father pleading with them, come on, come on in, and celebrate. Could you hear Amazing Grace playing in the background of, of that scene? Not because we just sang it, but because it inspired the lyrics. What once was lost, now is found. It's quite the picture, isn't it? Where did you see yourself in that scene? Or where do you see yourself now? If you, if you review that, that parabolic scene, that, that story scene in your, in your mind, with whom do you identify? Do you see yourself as that, that reckless child, <laughs> that, the one who's all about wild living? Maybe that's either is you or was you? And you, you've, you just have that whole life style and, and yet maybe you also know what it was like that after your season of wild living, you found a, a parent or a friend or a community with open arms ready to welcome you back. Is that you? Or maybe you're, you're that, that son, that reckless son, but you're, you're not quite at that stage of being welcomed back. Maybe right now you're rehearsing your apology. What am I going to say? I have sinned against heaven and against you. I have sinned against against heaven. Just make me a servant. Hmm? Or maybe, maybe you're the the other son, the so-called obedient one, who who you're just a little bit miffed because you've done all the right things in life and they get the party thrown for them. You know, and you're doing all the responsible stuff in the community, but it seems like people who don't do anything they get all the rewards. How fair is that? And and you end up paying for it. I mean, that's really what happened here, right? the The, the father had already divided the estate, so who's who's fat and calf, really paid for the party? It was the older son's fat and calf that was paying for the the his brother's party. Is that you? Do you really struggle when you see people being forgiven so easily? <laughs> being let back into the family when you've done all the hard work? That's not fair. Maybe you see yourself as the, as the father. At a various stages in life, maybe, maybe you're the father at a stage in life where, where your kid wants nothing to do with you. And you see him walking away. And you're wondering, man, do I chase after him? And stop him or do I just let him go and pray that he comes to his senses and I'll be here with open arms? Or are you maybe the father a little bit later on who's just peering down the path? Is he coming? Is he coming? Is he coming? Or are you that father who's rejoicing already because some loved one has already come back and you can't contain your joy and you are just throwing parties all the time? maybe you're the father who's trying to settle two parties. <laughs> maybe your siblings are fighting, or your sons or your children are fighting, and you're caught in between. Maybe you don't see yourself as any of those, those top three characters. Maybe you see yourself somewhere in the background. Maybe you're, you're just the robe getter, or you're the ring getter. That's where you see yourself. Or maybe you're the one queuing up the band or, or maybe you're the one who's, who's spilling the beans. You're the informant. Oh yeah, this is what's going on in there. What's your role? Where do you see yourself in Luke 15? There's a lot of choices. Let's narrow it down. Where do you see yourself? Who do you identify with when it comes just to the two brothers? Do you find yourself as the squanderer or the scowler? The prodigal or the powder? The younger son or the older son? Neither is really an enviable position, right, to identify with. When you think about it, those two guys really describe what's wrong with the world. On the one hand, you have some people who just have no morals whatsoever. I'm just going to live the way I want. And they squander all the gifts that God has ever given to them and, and no holds barred. And on the other end of the spectrum is the person who is maybe accused of being, or not just accused of being, but rightfully accused of being, so judgmental and so slow to forgive and not welcoming. Which one are you? Like I said, it it really depicts what's wrong with the world. In fact, that was a survey uh, in a newspaper over a hundred years ago in England. Uh, Someone, the editor said, I wanna wanna hear your answers. And, And that's what he asked, what's wrong with the world? And everybody wrote in their answers, and they talked about all the people that are, are squandering one way, and the other one said, oh, it's all the people who are so judgmental. But there was one person who wrote in, last name by the name of Chesterton, not a big deal. But he wrote in, dear sirs, I am. I am. And truth be told, any one of us could have written that letter to the editor. At different stages of life, maybe simultaneously, but at, one, at some times we are guilty of just living the way we want, forget, forget anything about morals, forget anything about what God says. At other times, we're like the older son, where we have a tough time forgiving people. One moment we're, we're bowing down and we're pleading forgiveness for our mistakes at the other moment, we have a hard time letting go of other people's mistakes. You know, we all, we all could say that. What's wrong with the world? I am. And to truly come to grips with that reality, that can lead us to despair. I am wrong with this world. What's wrong with this world? And yet God does not want you to despair today. Because who does he want you to see in this parable? Not so much the two boys. He wants you to see the dad. He wants you to see the father. The father is actually mentioned more than the sons in this this section. Thirteen times the name of the father comes up uh, more than the sons. But it's not just the how, how often his name shows up that makes him prominent here. What what makes him prominent is, is really the size of his heart, isn't it? I I mean you, you just see this this dad and you're like, who could do this? You know, who what kind of a dad is going to not write off a son who wishes him dead? What kind of a dad is not going to burn bridges, but just make sure that the the door stays open and his arms stay open uh, to receive this son who is doing who knows what who knows where but there's the dad what kind of a dad is willing to throw a party for a son who has wasted all the money that his dad gave to him and he's wasted it on wild living on prostitutes what kind of a dad is willing to do that it's a well, you might say it's a prodigal dad. Not that he was wild in living, but he was wild with his forgiveness. He was wild with his grace. He said, "There is nothing. Uh, there is no expense that I'm going to spare in celebrating." I mean, and you really see. You really see the big heart of this dad and the way that he he describes it to to son number two. What does he say there? He says, "We had to celebrate. <laughs> we." I had to celebrate. I couldn't hold it back. (laughs) Because what was lost is now found. And it's really in that conversation with son number two that we see the big heart of this dad, maybe even bursting forth, bursting out of his chest more than it was when he was running down the path. It's interesting. When you really dissect the, the conversation between son number two or the older brother, and, and the dad. You know, honestly, it was the older brother that half of the original audience was Jesus' plan for them to identify with. We didn't see it in our reading because it's, it's the third of three readings, the third of three stories about something being lost. If you go back to the beginning of, of chapter 15, uh, you, will, you will see the setup. Who's Jesus talking to? And there's two groups of people. There's what we call tax collectors and sinners. They would really identify with son number one. All right? There he is. God's going to have open arms for me. But then there's a second group where we call Pharisees and tax collectors. And they make a comment that really is the catalyst for Jesus to give this little, these little stories. They said, oh, there's Jesus. Look at him. He welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And so Jesus breaks into some stories. And now we've talked, it feels like I've been talking about the Pharisees the last couple of weeks here. Uh, If you don't know who Pharisees are, Pharisees were the, they were the good people. They were the religious people, but they did not like Jesus. They were, they were always confronting Jesus, always trying to cut him down, trying to cast doubt on his character, trying to cut, cast doubt on his message. And you would think Jesus would finally have enough with them. He says, you know, I'm done with you guys. I am just done with your attitudes. I am done with your unforgiving spirits, your unforgiving heart. I am done with your your stony hearts. Uh, You know, you're so judgmental. Forget it. (laughs) But he doesn't. He keeps reaching out to them as well. He's patient with them. And you can really see that in the conversation between the father and, and older son or son number two, what does he say? So his father went out and pleaded with him. That word pleading has the idea of, it has a repetitive action to it, that it wasn't just, hey, come on in. No, come on, son. Come on. Just come on in. I want you at the party, too. I want you to celebrate. I mean, you think about what kind of a dad would do this. I mean, you know, think about this. He's, at, he's enjoying a big party. You know, and it's your son that you're celebrating. If, if it's your daughter's wedding and you're celebrating and someone's pouting outside, are you going to go out to the parking lot and talk to them? Probably not. But, but here's, here's the father, and you think about that. You know, where should God be when, when we're saying, you know what, I don't think it's fair that that person's forgiven. Or, or I don't, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I'm, I, don't, I just don't like those people. They, they should get what's coming to them. Where should God be? He should be a million miles away from us partying with the angels because another sinner repents. I mean, I, I mean, isn't that a neat picture that the Bible says that the angels break into a party every time the sinner repents? I, I imagine just like a bell being rung. It's like, ding, all right, everybody, let's celebrate. Uh, he, but the Father, where does he come? God's right here today. And he's pleading with us. come, I want you to celebrate. Don't, don't be so mad that, that your brother did all that stuff. Celebrate that he's back. And, you know, and then what's, what's so amazing is that you know, the, the son gives this awful excuse of why he doesn't want to celebrate. It really doesn't make sense. Because he says, what does he say? He says, you know what, dad, I slaved for you all the time. And yet you never give me anything for even not even a goat for my friend. Dad had just given him two-thirds of the estate. Think about that. They split the estate. Older son always gets double half, double portion. So younger son only got a third. He got two-thirds. Dad, you never give me anything. And yet what does the father do? He doesn't dig in his heels and say, son, you're being an idiot. Look at everything I've given you. No, he lets them talk. He lets them get it all out. And then he just gives them these assuring words. My son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. You know, no, no tongue lashing. No reprimand. No anger. Just this patient heart so come come and celebrate I want you there everything is yours if you haven't connected the dots yet this father is your father your father in heaven who welcomes you back. If you're the wild, reckless living one or was in the past, this is your father who has his arms open for you. If you're the stodgy one who says, you know, I've done everything right. Why do they get a free pass? This is the fa- your father who assures you he wants you to celebrate too and not to pout and not to scowl just because someone else temporarily squandered that grace. And this is a father that you know because of the third son in the story. The one telling it. Jesus' job, his whole life, was to make his father known to you and to me. And so what did he do? He, You know, if if we if we lived a life that was maybe not God-pleasing, and if we're living a life that is not God-pleasing, Jesus is the one who crushed that sin on the cross so that you can see the open arms of your Father today. If you're the one who's being slow to forgive, Jesus crushed that sin too so that you can see everything that he has is yours. Jesus crushes any despair That you might have today so that you can be assured that this father our father is the one who shows you a heart of grace and doesn't hold anything back one of my favorite pictures uh, to depict that is is this one by an artist by the name of Ron Deciani and there's tons of symbolism in that picture I gave you a little blurb in your bulletin today um, that tells all the symbolism of the, of the things in that picture. But the neatest thing that talks about how what brings us into a relationship with our Father isn't so maybe visible, but it's there in the shadows. It's the cross. The cross of Jesus is what motivates us to forgive sinners and to celebrate that they're forgiven. And the cross is what assures us that we are forgiven and that we are welcomed sinners. The cross is what assures us today that our God would spare no expense when it comes to showing us how big his heart is and how big his forgiveness is. And so I don't care who you identify with, the truth is we probably identify with every character in that story somewhere in our life. But you have a God whose heart is so big that he identifies with you. And so that, brothers and sisters, that is something worth celebrating. Amen. We'll join our hearts and voices. Um, we we every Sunday we we use a state.